Welcome, Fivers, to another episode of High Five, the podcast, a movie podcast for people who like other stuff, too. On this week's episode, your hosts Q and Jay dive into some of their favorite movies and hopefully talk about some of your favorites, too. Feel free to yell at your speakers when we ignore your favorites, or you could just tweet at us with your choices, like an adult. Now, let's join Q and Jay in the writer's room as they dive in. Fair warning. This podcast may contain spoilers for movies that came out 20 years ago, but at this point, that's really your fault. And now, on with the show. Hello? Hello. Uh, who Who is this? Who is this? This is Jay from High Five Colon the Podcast. I was expecting Q, but you don't sound like him at all. What, what number were you trying to reach? I'm trying to reach you, Jay. Oh, cool. Uh, so, how's it going? Listen here, Blondie. Do you like games? Well, first off, I'm not blonde. But second, yes, I love games. Oh, uh. All right, good. Are you are you scared? Um, well, not not at the moment. Um, but you know, depends on the game we're gonna play, I guess. Listen, if you don't play this game, I'm gonna gut you like a fish. Oh, is that that's not the game I want to play? Do you like scary movies? Oh, I I love scary movies. I'm actually recording an episode of a podcast tonight about Wes Craven movies. What's your favorite episode of My Little Pony? Ooh, that's a tough one. Probably the episode with Weird Al Yankovic as the as cheesy. Oh, is oh is uh cheese sandwich. Cheese sandwich. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah you, I, you know what? I'm, yeah, I, you know. Oh my god, I love that. It's one. so good, right? It's Always, so like, it's so Weird good. Weird Al Yankovic is just perfect in the role, isn't he? L- listen, listen. The the new season of Friendship is Magic is everything. Listen, li- listen, creepy voice guy. I don't know where you are, and I don't know how what your net. I'm, net oh, by the way, the, I'm I'm at your back door. Just oh, so you know, I'm just. Well, Come just, the fuck in. Let's watch some My Little Ponies together. Uh, all right. All right. Come uh, yeah! on. Just, just unlock the door and I'll just come on inside. Uh, right. Do you have any place that I could put this knife down? Is that like... Uh... Yeah. I mean, you can put it right into my stomach. Oh, perfect. All right. Here we go. Here... High five. Should we high five? High five! High five! High five! High five! High five, son! Woo! High five! Don't let me hang it. Jay, Jay, listen to me. You're unconscious and bleeding. Are you, can you hear me? I I can, but it sounds like you're you're speaking from under the stairs. Listen, why why do you have a knife in your stomach? What happened? That's where the guy wanted to put it. What am I gonna say? No. It, I'm a but, host at well, heart. Exactly. Yes, you should definitely say no. If somebody says that they want to put their knife in you, you say no. Well, how was I supposed to know that? Listen, I can't be here all the time to keep you from getting stabbed to death, Jay. This is the fifth time I've been stabbed because you weren't here. <laughs> no, you know I'm, st- I'm actually starting to think that you might be stabbing me. Listen, Q coyly hides the voice changer <laughs> under a stack of papers. <laughs> Listen, that's crazy talk, okay? (laughs) 
I did see you hide that voice changer. You know what? I think the guy who stabs me uses a very similar one. Maybe he got it at the same store that you did. It definitely wasn't this one. Look, listen. Hey, Jay. See? Not even close to being way, the same. Way different. Totally yeah, different. The, the other guy was like, hey, how's it going, Jay? And right. Just, yeah. The, you know, I just said, hey. Right, I would just say, "Hey, Jay, no, how's it going?" I don't, because yeah. I don't care, because we're friends. Right. Yes, and and so, right. yeah, he, he doesn't know you, so he wants to know how it's going. All right. Well, the case is still open on who is stabbing me. You um, seem to be doing better. Well, you know, I I, I heal. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what to <laughs> say. I just, just in general, just in general, at a you know. clearly a faster than usual pace, but that's fine. That's good. Very Wolverine of you. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's been, it's been kind of my whole life like this. You know, some <laughs> people call it a blessing. I call it a curse because what other people know of as pain, I just know as temporary uncomfortableness. It's weird. <laughs> that is so, that's so. People are like, oh, I'm bleeding to death. I'm like, what is death? <laughs> <laughs> how, how, how incredibly existential of you. <laughs> How weird would it be to not know what death was? Not to not experience death, but to just not know what it was. That uh, that is so that is so heavy. Who is uh, not only am I immortal? I'm really nihilistic, and uh, myopic. <laughs> who is the um, shit? Who is that actor? David Copperfield. No, that is uh, Werner Herzog. That is oh. like a you're you're like a Werner Herz. If Werner Herzog did a Wolverine movie, that's how it is. Listen, what is what is pain? No one knows. Pain is existence. I would love for Werner Herzog to be the guy who narrates the Patrick Stewart Professor X narration over the beginning of X Men yes. movies. Mutants have been around for generations. <laughs> Some calls them the next step in evolution. Some <laughs> call them the end of humanity. I call them special. I call them my children. I call them the X-Men. <laughs> yep. It'd be the I, H it'd be the H-Men for him. The listen, he's already hired by Disney <laughs> because he's in that new Mandalorian show. He is. I which need was them. so weird. <laughs> it's so weird. They're like the Mandalorian starring Werner Herzog. <laughs> yeah, what, what in the world? Like, again, nothing against Werner Herzog. I love his Penguin movies. Like, he's, his documentaries. He's like, really, Star, really great. Star Wars is the universe. Star Wars is life. <laughs> just Star Everything Wars, else like... in the universe is meaningless but Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> what's that Um, What's that guy who does, like, the really old, like, historical documentaries? Um, oh, he does them for, like, PBS all the time. Old PBS guy. <laughs> Old PBS no, guy. I have no idea. I was gonna make I, like a really fun. I, oh, it. I was gonna say it'd be like if in Star Wars Episode Nine, it turns out that uh that like the Emperor was played by Ken Burns. Oh, that's it. Oh God, Ken Burns. That's who you were trying to think yes. of. That's so funny. A Ken it's Burns like, documentary. <laughs> yeah, you'd Star be like Wars, what? Star Wars by Ken Burns, like in the Galactic Empire. Many people think that taxes are confusing. <laughs> In this 10-part documentary series, I'm going to take you through the fiscal infrastructure of the Galactic <laughs> Empire and what ultimately led to their demise. Not the explosion of the Death Star twice, but really 
the, poor the financial investment. fallout from <laughs> that. <laughs> the poor investments and infrastructure disabilities. <laughs> I am Ken Burns, and this is The Wars of Star. <laughs> yep. Yeah, that's a. Uh, Unfortunately, oh, welcome to they High could Five not, Pole on the podcast, everybody. My goodness. They, they could not balance the power, nor <laughs> With, could they balance a checkbook. <laughs> <laughs> the Millennium Falcon may have been quick enough to make the Kessel run, but their quick books <laughs> would not run. <laughs> would not run on their old operating system. <laughs> the truth the true flaw. Of the Death Star was not as the exhaust vents, but it was the <laughs> fact that they were running on Windows 8. <laughs> Listen, I gotta, I gotta really say, I, for I, I might have, I might understand now what George Lucas was getting at with the prequel trilogy. I think he realized how fascinating the minutia of <laughs> yeah. the fiscal, uh, the fiscal accountability of the galaxy of, that is far, far away. <laughs> Hi. It's really fascinating. Listening to you pitch it like that, I'd watch it. <laughs> Hi. I'd be so interested. I'm Ken Burns. Please stick around for our 10-hour documentary of the Galactic Senate. <laughs> yes. They just we're going to go piece by piece and explain how it works. If you look closely, there's ET. <laughs> oh. oh. And that's it. <laughs> Just E.T. and a bunch of aliens. <laughs> yep. Oh, never never mind. Nobody else. Sorry. <clears throat> Just kidding. Indiana their Jones fiduciary responsibilities were miles above their heads, even though they were that in is, space. That is so funny. Oh, my God. I'm so glad we decided to talk about Ken Burns and Werner Hotzog <laughs> on right. our Wes Craven-themed episode of High Five the Podcast. <laughs> well, here, here's, here's my segue. There are few things to me scarier than watching a 10-hour Ken Burns documentary on Star but some, Wars. W- some of the Wes Craven movies might be up there. That is actually there you go. a really segue. You did a great job. I'm so impressed actually. Like legitimately impressed. You should, you should be impressed. I mean, and everyone who's listening to this should be impressed and thrilled because guys, we are back in our Here Comes Halloween podcast horror director series. You know it. It's a really long title. We thought of getting together an acronym. But it doesn't matter. But, nope. you know, what we thought of was, like, fuck acronyms. This is way better. That's actually what our acronym is. Fuck, fuck. acronyms. Fiduciary uneasiness. <laughs> Catastrophically. Causing, causing knowledge. Acronym. <laughs> Perfect. Well done. Thank you. And, as you saw, <coughs> there is no hope left in the galaxy. <laughs> as the sun... As the suns set on Tatooine, <laughs> so does hope. So does the hope on our host, Jay. <laughs> and um, as our souls are blue as our milks. <laughs> as our milks? Yeah. <laughs> That's good shit. So, yes. Now I hey, want to do the rest of the episode as Werner Herzog please. talking about Star Wars. Listen to me. Please do. Please, please, please do. Uh no, we're here today to talk about Wes Craven. Last, Hell yeah, last we time are. on our director series, we talked about the oeuvre of John Carpenter. Right. 
And this time we decided uh, Horror Maven Wes Craven. Did you get Ooh, that? You like what? That? How is that not what was on his business card when he was Horror Maven Wes Craven? <laughs> what? Oh, man. I'm craving me some Craven. Uh, oh, shit. Episode uh, title. <laughs> it's a callback. But, uh, um, but, yeah, guys, last week we started. I mean, what better place to start with? Are this here comes Halloween series of horror directors, then mm-hmm. with you know John Carpenter, the creator of Halloween, one of the sure. the greatest slasher uh, series in in the history in the genre. But even as we discussed last week with John Carpenter, not all of his movies are straight up horror, nope. and we talked a lot about that la- the last time in this series. But for this week's episode, we are definitely going down the road of someone whose uh, filmography is mostly dedicated to horror movies. But before we get into his horror movies, can I just point out that in 1999... Are you talking about the fireworks woman? He did direct Music of the Heart. Oh. uh, Starring Meryl Streep, Gloria Estefan, and Angela Bassett. (laughs) Wait. Music of the Heart? No, that was not Wes. Was it Wes Craven? Directed by Wes Craven. What? Based on the... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> what? Yep. Definitely with with a filmography that reads like this, guys. Nightmare on Elm Street, Scream, Last House on the Left, The Hills Have Eyes, Swamp Thing, Serpent in the Rainbow, People Under the Stairs, Music of the Heart. <laughs> Scream 4, Gag Reel. <laughs> Red Eye, uh, Vampire is- in Brooklyn, Music of the Heart. <laughs> Here, here's the thing. I'm on IMDb right now. I'm looking at his director filmography. I'm staring at the title Music of the Heart, and I still don't believe it. Yeah, because even the things that sandwich it, (coughs) cursed, red eye, pulse. Right. But then he also directed uh, Paris Je T'aime. Well, a segment in that. There were a lot of directors in those movies. Yeah, but still. Did you ever watch any of those? I don't know if you know this, not a horror movie. It's not. Uh, it can be scary boring in parts. Right. Um, now, what I want you to do, though, is if you're looking at his filmography, uh, scroll down to the bottom. Because what I thought you were going to say as not only music of the heart, but I thought you were going to reference the fireworks woman, which was the porno that he directed. Oh, no, I didn't. I did not. But um, it, are you looking at IMDb? I am not. Okay. Let me tell you what's great about this movie. Okay. The Fireworks Woman was one of his first movies. Uh, it was a porn. He, I believe, oh, I cameos in it, just like all of his other movies, and he directed it as, under the pseudonym, Abe Snake. Yeah, cool. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he fucking did. Fucking cool. And then no, two years later, did The Hills Have Eyes. Porn. Yeah, it's <laughs> <laughs> like right after that. It was like, Last House on the Left, porn, The Hills Have Eyes. Solid, solid, <laughs> solid, solid. Uh, so for those of the uninitiated ilk, Wes Craven is a horror maestro, if you will. Yes. This guy has been doing horror since horror began, practically. It I really mean, feels like that. Like Serpent in the Rainbow just kind of feels like one of those that's always been around. The Last House on the Left is mm-hmm. one of the most like infamous exploitation horror films um, and was remade. What was it back in like the 20 early 20 thousands? 
It was yes, because it was before um, it was before Breaking Bad got big because that was one of Aaron Paul's first movies. Oh, that's right. I forgot he was in he's, that movie. He's like the third crony. He's like that the was young post crony. his appearance on Price is Right. Yeah. <laughs> but yes. pre his appearance in Breaking Bad. Yeah. So it's it's there. And honestly, yeah, Last House on the Left. Have you seen both versions? I just want to ask this. I like, have, actually. Which one do you prefer? Uh, the first one. Craven's version? Yeah. I agree. Uh- now, what I will say, <laughs> you said you said that like you were not going to agree. No, I, like, I agree. I agree. I do. But... but I was leading into I agree on the last house on the left. I have trouble with the hills have eyes, though. Oh, I agree. I think Aha's version or Aja's version is, is way great. better. And yes. it, yeah. You and I have actually talked about this before. I don't remember if it was for a podcast episode or just like in our own personal musings. It all gets it all gets mixed together. You've definitely me. preached to me before how much you enjoyed the remake of The Hills Have Eyes. You actually well, held it up to like a really high standard of like this is actually a super great movie. As remakes go, yes. And that was the thing that's so surprising about it because the last house on the left was kind of like the oh well let's take like this indie exploitation horror film and sort of turn it into a popcorn everybody can go on a friday night to see this sort of scary movie that has some uncomfortable moments but isn't really based in that you know exploitation style sure. but the hills have eyes was one that it it to me felt like aja understood what that movie was and just made it a bit made it a bit better. Um, and, you know, not only that, he's just a, a great director. Um, you and I both saw Crawl. Um, oh, yeah. Both like that a lot. So and, the guy knows how to work a camera. For sure. Now, I also saw Mirrors. Yeah, but we don't talk about fine. that. But I also saw High Tension. <laughs> high Tension will always hold a very weird place in my, he- in my head. It's a very weird movie. Very weird movie, but like the decapitation blowjob. Yep, is might be one of the <laughs> weirdest things outside of like the movie, like Knights of Sodom. Or I was something, really like hoping you were gonna say. Sodom. I was really hoping you were gonna say it might be one of the weirdest things I've ever masturbated to. <laughs> <laughs> well. But. I can't say that because it's definitely not the weirdest thing I've masturbated to. But <laughs> Necromantic the weirdest... was the weirdest thing I've yes, masturbated to. The, all seven times that yeah, I did it. Exactly. Yep. All did seven you... sequels, actually, of that movie. Speaking of, have you seen Necromantic? Have you ever yes, seen I that? Have. That wait, was wait, one wait, of those. Wait. That the one where he puts like a she puts like a metal pole. She puts like a metal pole in him or something. No. So Necromantic is about a dude who cleans up crime scenes for a living oh. and steals a body uh to have sex with basically yeah that's that's what i'm thinking of i think you're thinking of necromantic 2 oh am i i think so electric boogaloo <laughs> <laughs> i know i've seen both of these necromantic is quite possibly one of the most disturbing movies i've ever seen in my entire life it fucked me up and you know i don't like gore I know, yeah. And that movie was like, it was one of those like weird, I was trying to impress a girl in college. Not, I wasn't in college. She was in college. Because I didn't go to college. <laughs> let's, she be was, she was, yeah. let's be honest. She's smart. Um, 
and she was like super into horror, but like super into like weird, like deep yeah. dark web horror shit and was like, oh, have you ever seen this necromantic movie? And I was like, nah, let's watch that. That sounds cool. Let's do let's it. Let's do it. It was great. And I started watching. I was like, oh, my God, my eyes are bleeding. <laughs> I need to like, leave. I, I, need I to shouldn't leave. see this. At one point, I think the movie ends with him like stabbing himself while ejaculating to the point I, I, that he ejaculates blood like all over the place. That sounds about right. Dude, um, it's now, I'm so I'm looking fucked. at this. I'm looking at this. I definitely have seen this because uh, I'm reading the, the 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 description of it, and it mm-hmm. says a street sweeper who cleans up after grisly accidents brings home a full corpse for him and his wife to enjoy oh, that's sexually. It. Yeah, the wife. Yeah, but is dismayed to see that his wife prefers the corpse over him. That's what I was talking. That was what I was referencing. The wife puts like a pole on the corpse so she can fuck it. Yeah, God, because it's a flaccid penis. It's dead. dude. It's- such a fucking crazy movie. It's so weird. Like you, you. There are a handful of those movies. Like you know, a uh, hundred nights of Sodom is in that category of like kind of you can't really watch it without being uncomfortable. That's the point of it. Um, you know, there's like audition and martyrs and some of those that also do it. But a lot of them are like French uh, extremist extreme shit. horror. Yeah, a lot of them come from that. This was just like a German freak who made like three of these. Right. He was like, oh, God, this is it for me, man. You actually – here's a weird story regarding Necromantic, and then we can get back to Wes Craven. Okay. I watched that most recently because uh, before Shudder, the, the horror site online, yeah. was mm-hmm. owned by whoever they're owned by and was actually a paid subscription service, mm-hmm. it was free. And it was just a mm-hmm. free catalog of horror movies. Most of them indie horror movies or little-known horror movies that you could just watch online for free for no money. And Necromantic was on there, and I watched it at work one day. Oh, cool. That is the definition of NSFW, my man. <laughs> like, that is yeah. so not safe for work. Oh, yeah, it is. Now, speak- okay. <laughs> like, like Yeah, fuck that, though. Yeah, well, I mean, I was in, like, a you know, not near people. And I was just writing something. I don't remember sure. what I was doing. I was like, Oh, horror movies. I'm just going to hit play all and just watch things all day. And then that came on. I was like, eh, all right, I'm taking my pants. off. <laughs> <laughs> Here we go again, everybody. Uh, all right. I can't watch necromantic. Without- <laughs> um, although uh, this is actually something I not related to what we're talking about, but I did want to bring up with you because I haven't found a good opportunity to talk to you about this yet. Okay. <laughs> Talking about grisly movies that are very uncomfortable to watch. Uh-huh. I watched a movie the other week that I am so torn on because I hated it. Everything about it's terrible. Okay. But I cannot stop thinking about it and I am desperate to make you watch it. Okay. What and it's is called it? The Greasy Strangler. Oh, I haven't watched that. That's by the director who did the uh, An Evening with Beverly Luff-Lynn, which yes. I did watch. Yes. It. I, they just recently did a screening of that here in Omaha. They had the actors, Michael St. Michaels uh-huh. and Sky. Uh, What's his the, face? Yeah. Yeah. They had them come out to attend a screening of the Greasy Strangler. It, here's the thing. It's. It's like. Tim and Eric meshed with Napoleon Dynamite meshed with like not necromantic because it's not that grisly, but just it's so weird. 
but I cannot stop thinking about this movie. And I want so badly for you not to watch it and then me and you to watch it together and me to record your reaction. Ooh, maybe we'll do that when we launch our Patreon. Ooh, that could be fun. Like, honestly, us doing a commentary of your reaction to that movie, because every three minutes there's about a, a scene that you're like, what the fuck is happening? Yeah, I'm totally in. Put that on the list. Okay, I love it. Now, back to Wes Craven, because the, his movies I actually full-on enjoy. Yeah, because let's be honest, we're slaving for cr some Craven. Except for Music of the Heart. Which is the best which, Wes Craven <laughs> Holy movie. crap. So let's do this. I think this has worked well in the past. I say we go down his filmography, Ooh. and we just kind of discuss our experience with the movies as we hit upon them. How does that uh, yeah. sound to you? Totally agree. Okay. Cause it's not like a crazy, like 700 movies or anything. No, no. And there's a lot of them that are like, you know, TV movies or things we can skip. Sure. Um, um, so let's start with last house on the left. Yes. So that was his first movie, which crazy to come out of the gate with that. Totally. And what's funny is, um, I heard kind of a rumor, and I don't know if you if you heard this as well, but there was kind of a story that went around that um, originally he was told by the company that produced the movie that it wasn't going to get a wide release. And so he basically took that as a sign of like, well, fuck it. I'm just going to do whatever I want right. in this movie and not worry about it at all. And then ultimately it did get a wide release, and that's what ended up getting it all of the kind of like hate and detraction that it got right. from people who were like, this movie is beyond fucked up. Like, I mean, how, it is. It, I mean, it is definitely a fucked up movie. And he wrote this movie. So that yeah. also puts in your head like Wes Craven, kind of a fucked up guy. He's weird. He's a weird dude. He is a weird dude. Although so, he look. Uh, the thing is, I had just imagined him and never got the chance to meet him while he was alive and would have loved that. But. I get the impression that he's like a super just weird, nerdy, not scary person. Like a nice guy? Yeah, I feel like if I had a conversation with him, I'd be like, oh, man, your movies gave me nightmares forever. He'd be like, oh, that, that is, that's really sweet. Thank you. I really appreciate that. <laughs> I really Great. appreciate it. It's like Great. almost like a George uh, George Lucas type of thing. It's like, oh, sure. yeah, this is what I made my movie about. It's a you know, guy get <laughs> these bunch of people just rape this lady, and then they show up at his house. Right. <laughs> Yeah, and that's pretty much what happens in that movie. <laughs> it is. Uh, a bunch of people rape this girl and then accidentally show up at her house and her dad kills them all. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Yeah. Um, so that's a crazy movie. Uh, then we go to your fireworks woman that you brought up, which is apparently Wes Craven's porno yeah. that, he wrote, that he wrote and directed. Right. Once again. Didn't uh, see it. Can't speak to it. <laughs> Probably then, awesome. Then we have the original Hills Have Eyes. Right. Which is fine. I've seen it. It's, it's fine. fine. Again, interesting concept. It's a, a, one, one of the things that I do appreciate, well, at least about early uh, exploitative Wes Craven, is that he really had a fascination with those, like, revenge fantasies at sure. the time. Because even, like, other, like, Hills Have Eyes, Last House on the Left, definitely. But even, you know, Swamp Thing has a little bit of that in there. Revenge sure. fantasy for the scientific nightmare on Elm Street. Kruger's whole, you know, uh, motivation is a revenge fantasy. Like he enjoys that idea of someone has been wronged and then how far will they go to justify it or to undo it? Now, can I state that one of the great things that did come out 
of The Hills Have Eyes is actor Michael Berryman. Yes. Um, you familiar with him? Yeah, yeah. Uh, he was in amazing movies like One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Uh, he was on Star Trek Next Generation. <laughs> this dude is just a very unique-looking guy. Yes. Um, and this was pretty much his starring role uh, as Pluto in The Hills Have Eyes. Um, which is just a weird character, but I just am very thankful for Michael Michael Berryman. Well, Michael, Be- I mean, he's on the cover of that. He's kind of like the the prime bad guy. But let's not like yes, yes, Berryman's in it. But let's not overshadow the fact that D. Wallace from E.T. is also in this movie. Yeah, you mean uh, the kid from the kid who finds E.T. Her his mom. His mom, D. Wallace, is D. in Wallace. this movie. That is as true. one of the. Uh, the Wood family members. That is true. That is very true. Um, it's it's an okay movie. Basically, it's uh, you know mutant family living in the hills that uh, are like killing tourists, kill, kill just killing folks. You know, just hanging out, doing a bit of killing, uh, <laughs> incesting. You know what you do on a Saturday as, in the desert, as they would, as the as you do. Um, then we've got a deadly blessing. Do you never saw that? I don't even know what that one's about. I, don't I saw that, that one on the list when I was like researching for this episode. No idea. Let's read a little description here and let's react to it. Have you seen it? See if Obviously I have not. not. Um, it says it tells the story of a strange figure committing murder in a contemporary community that is not far from another community that believes in ancient evil and curses. That's a weird description. <laughs> that is a weird description. I was just thinking about that. The film tells the story of a strange figure committing murder. Well, I, I just like my favorite part of that is in a community that's near another community that believes in evil and curses, starring <laughs> Ernest Borgnine. <laughs> Ooh. Um, hold and on. Sharon Stone in an early role. Wait, seriously? Oh, my yes. goodness. Yeah. I'll pull this up now, too. Holy crap, I, I definitely need to watch this. Um, now, I want to read you... Okay, the IMDb description's a little bit better. After her husband dies right. under mysterious circumstances, a widow becomes increasingly paranoid of the neighboring religious community that may have diabolical plans for her. That's a much better... Well, that sounds a little Rosemary's a Baby. That's exactly what I thought. It was kind of like Rosemary's Neighbors. It is Rosemary's Neighbors. Starring Ernest Bognine oh, and to, Sharon Stone. I need we to, might need uh, to put this on the list to watch. Yeah, we definitely, I definitely do. Ernest All right, so Bognine. that one's from 19, 1981's A Deadly Blessing. Uh, shortly after that, we got Swamp Thang. Which I love. Swamp Thang. You make my swamp sing. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> This is uh now this is a horror-ish take on a DC character. Um, yeah, and I mean this is one of those DC characters that has sort of been redone a handful of times. I think didn't even the guy who did Spawn, um Todd uh what's his face? Didn't he Todd, do a run? Todd McFarlane? Didn't Todd McFarlane do a run of Swamp Thing too? I think he did. I, I do so. believe now, this movie, Swamp Thing, I remember it best because it stars the incomparable Ray Weiss. Yes. Um, from Twin Peaks fame. And that's uh, the thing. And, and I, I'm, I'm sorry to do this, but there are some actors, and Ray Weiss is one of them, who 
no matter how great of an actor he is, and he is, yeah. he will always be Leland Palmer for me. Oh, for always. sure. Well, one hundred percent. It's unfortunate. It's honestly, I, I have a similar situation with Bradley Whitford, but not for any uh, like show magnanimous reasons. But like Bradley Whitford, I watched Billy Madison so many times when I was growing up that sure. for whatever reason, whenever I see uh, Bradley Whitford in anything, be it some Billy Madison or be it Get Out or be it The Handmaid's Tale, the only thing I can think is. Business ethics. <laughs> <laughs> so again, sorry, sorry, Ray Weiss, but I love you to death. This was one of those movies for me that I remember because Swamp Thing, for whatever reason, was played on TBS or USA like when I was constantly. growing up. Constantly, it yep. it was it was like it was like a the it ladybug had cheap syndication rights. Yep, it was like ladybugs and then Swamp Thing. There's yeah. like back to back over and over. Uh, we've got what's what comes after that? Oh, then he did a follow up to The Hills Have Eyes. We yes, get Hills he did. Have Eyes Part Two. I haven't seen the second one. Did I you honestly one? have not. I haven't. I can't imagine that it's awesome. Now I'm looking again. Uh, does have Michael Berryman back? So, well, though. of course. So you ha- he's the one you have to bring back of anybody. Does it have uh, D. Wallace in it? <laughs> it doesn't, but Damn. I am looking at a poster for it, and it definitely looks like Wes Craven's uh, The Year Without a Santa Claus. <laughs> because for some reason, Michael Berryman is on the cover again, but he's like painted Mr. Freeze, like Arnold Schwarzenegger, Mr. Freeze blue. Oh. And then they have another character who is clearly another one of like the mutant cannibal family, and he is like red. And in between them is some bearded dude with a fur coat. So it legitimately looks like the cover of The Year Without a Santa Claus. That is hilarious. With the heat miser and the cold miser and Santa. So see if you can find this. Just look up Hills Have Eyes Part 2 on Wikipedia. Okay. (laughs) And it's amazing. I'm I'm looking at it on IMDb, and that's not the poster that's there. It's weirder and look more it looks more appropriate for what this movie i imagine is sure but i do want to read you the summary of it because i definitely had never seen this even reading the summary i'm like nope never seen it uh (laughs) a group of bikers heading to a race become stranded in the desert and find themselves fighting off a family of inbred cannibals oh shit their meta score is 25 though (laughs) here i just sent you the link in our recording chat Oh, I'm gonna uh, open the so, fuck so out go of this. check that out. Tell me that doesn't. Oh, look like... that looks totally <laughs> like. <laughs> That's this poster is so much worse than uh, the one that I'm looking at. So much worse. <laughs> and I'm I I need to see when the year without a Santa Claus came out because something Dude, is telling me. Okay, nineteen. Michael Berryman's eyes in this look crazy. <laughs> I know. That's what I'm saying. It's like they were like, "Hey, listen." You know what really sells what the kids love? Year Without a Santa Claus. Let's do the poster like that. And I like that the tagline of the movie is, So you think you're lucky to be alive. Turns out you're wrong. Turns out you're You're, wrong. Here's Michael Freeze Berryman. (laughs) Michael, it's time to freeze Berryman. (laughs) I love it. Michael Frostbite Berryman. Now what I want is I want the Hills Have Eyes 
intercut with all the one-liners from Batman and Robin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's I'm like so. So they're like running down. The bikers are running down the hill. And it's like, let's kill these cannibals. And then Michael Berryman walks out. And he's like, threes. <laughs> Forecast calls for snow. <laughs> but we're in the desert. <laughs> hey, that doesn't make any sense. I'm Mr. Freeze. There's no water anywhere around here. Hey, cool it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so what are you moving eating? on. The cold shoulder. <laughs> Damn it. Uh, next <laughs> up, we've got uh, 1984's same year. Same year as Hills Have Eyes Part 2, A Nightmare on Elm Street. Much Big more successful swing. Film. Big, huge For pendulum sure. swing that year in 1984 is like all the way down, down, down into Hills Have Eyes Part 2 territory and all the way up to Nightmare on Elm Street territory. Nightmare on Elm Street. Man, this is a movie that it was a quintessential movie in my yeah. childhood. Same here. Like growing up. This is a movie that scared the shit out of me. Uh, it was a movie that totally made me scared to go to sleep. Yeah. Uh, because what a cool gimmick, Here, right? Yeah, and here's the thing, and, and and I know um whatever people will say about the future uh Nightmare on Elm Street movies, um I love Dream Warriors pers pers uh personally, oh, but for I sure. will Who admit doesn't? that they get goofier as they go. But that first one, that first one is so good, like. Heather Langenkamp is a you know a scream queen icon for a reason. Like early Johnny Depp, you get in there. Uh, I mean, obviously you got Robert England and, and Lynn Shea. Uh, Lynn Shea, who is still in the horror genre to this day with her insidious performances. For sure, it's like everything about this movie. And I want to go back to what you said: the gimmick. I think that is one of the smartest horror gimmicks that's out there because. Like, and not to take nothing away from the movie Halloween, but like, oh, weird kid sees his sister's boobs and then starts killing people. And even with Jason, like, kid drowns in a lake, comes back for revenge, wears a hockey mask. The idea that there is a murderer who can infiltrate dreams, and if you kill someone in their dream... They die, in, die real life. in real and life. Like, you can't put the police on them. You can't protect someone from falling asleep because you have to fall asleep. It's just there's something so viscerally scary about that idea of how could you be afraid of sleep that it, it's like grown up SIDS. Like you just don't know. You're just going to fall <laughs> sure. asleep. You're just going to die. Exactly. Oh, my God. That is the best tagline I've ever heard. The best synopsis. <laughs> I want to make a new poster. Somebody quick, go make me a Nightmare Elm Street poster that has the tagline at the top that just says, it's like grown-up grown SIDS. <laughs> you sleep and you die. You go to sleep and you die. You just but, go to sleep and then you die. <gasps> but, yeah, I mean, and I remember, I remember watching Nightmare on Elm Street Probably way too early. I mean, it came out the year I was born, so I was a zero when I watched it the first time. No. Um, but, like, when I got around to watching it, when I when my horror movie uh, affluence started, I was so unnerved by it. Like, it just became a staple of, oh, well, I'm going to like this. Like, this is going to be one that I watch multiple times. Uh, I mean, and how synonymous and how iconic have those knife hands become? Oh, for sure. Like, that is – one. I mean, that's just as iconic as uh, your machete 
Yeah, or your hockey mask. Exactly. Like, it is synonymous with slasher uh, genre. Yeah. So oh, and that I, movie I, and the practical effects in that movie, even I mean, there there's a there's a mix of both, but like the practical effects when she's running up the stairs and they turn into like putty, sure, oh, just horrifying. So then uh, he stepped away from Nightmare on Elm Street for a but, hot second. Before before we get off of Nightmare on Elm Street, I do want to ask you if you saw and what you thought of the remake with uh, Jackie Friday Earl Haley. Um, nah. Robert England is my Freddy, man. Like, yeah, pass. Like, I mean, Jackie, Ear- Jackie, Ear- Jackie Earl Haley is a great actor. I've seen him in. Oh, some of course, yeah. No, I'm awesome not taking anything roles. away from him. Great. So that's not a. That's I'm not pissing on him, but just the movie in general. Honestly, for me too, it's one of those movies. that's like I don't need that remade. If you want to no. keep making sequels, do it. But yeah. I don't. I don't need a like gritty reboot of. Nightmare of that, yeah. Well, and I don't. I don't know. Honestly, all of all of those reboots. Right. I wasn't. Yeah. I didn't love the Friday the Thirteenth remake that they did. That, was, that was another. Michael Bay, though. Was well, it's his production company. He didn't direct it. Still going to be terrible. But then they, um, Rob Zombie's Halloween is fine. It is of the remakes. It might be the strongest. But, but he hates it. And he hates it. He hates. Yeah. He said that making that one and his second one was like the worst experience he's ever had and, making a film. And it, yeah, and I understand that. Like, but it's not the worst. He's ma- he's made worse movies. Like Thirty One. There's a handful of his that are worse than that. Trust for me for sure. I haven't seen Three from Hell, but I've heard not great things. It is. It's a pass. I mean, it's fine. It's fine. I guess. I I don't dislike it. I don't love it. Sure. Um, um, okay, we can get. Let's get back to Wes Craven. What, what okay, are we at now? So now we are on to a movie that uh, he uh, directed called Deadly Friend, which I, I am not one, familiar with. Me neither. I'm not um, gonna have a lot to say about that one. Let's see. Uh, film is a what originally film was a sci-fi thriller. Okay. Without any graphic scenes, with a bigger focus on plot and character development, and a dark love story centering around two main characters, which were not typical aspects of Craven's previous films. After Craven's original cut was shown to a test audience, the audience criticized the lack of graphic, bloody violence and gore that Craven's other films included, and they demanded script rewrites and reshoots, which included filming gorier death scenes and nightmare sequences. Similar to the ones from Craven's previous film, A Nightmare on Elm Street. Interesting. Uh, Says, due to imposed reshoots and editing, the film was drastically altered in post-production, losing much of the original plot and more scenes between characters. Um, This version was criticized by test audiences for containing too much graphic bloody violence and gore. (laughs) Well, now I really need to see this movie. Uh, I do want to see this movie. I'm, I am fascinated. I have no idea what it's about. Oh, it's about a teenage science genius. Ooh, top secret with blood. Not uh, oh starring Val Kilmer. It definitely has Christy Swanson in it. Yeah, it does. As Samantha Pringle. Once you pop, you can't. <laughs> you cannot stop that, Jay. Stop it! Stop it! You stop it stop right it. now. So, all right. So quickly after Deadly Friend, the next year, uh, Craven would return. To his uh, nightmare with Nightmare on Elm Street 3, Dream Warriors. Not as director, 
but as writer. I like Dream Warriors. I'll oh, put that I, li- I like Dream Warriors, too. I think outside of maybe the original, Dream Warriors may be my favorite. Oh, I, I think... Okay, here... I'll, it's like, it's it's horror superheroes. It really is. It's like horror Avengers. For sure. Um, but here's here's what I'll say. I think night, the original Nightmare on Elm Street is the best. Like, it's the best quality film in the whole run. But I think Dream Warriors is the best encapsulation of what the series is. Sure. Because you get one liner. That's where the, you know, it's primetime. Welcome to primetime, bitch. Like, sure. Some of those iconic moments, like, uh, oh, especially, ooh, and I know this one makes me great, but like when he uses the kids, like, veins as marionette puppets and makes oh, him, like, God, walk off the yes. bell tower. Oh, it's so cringy. It's so wonderful. Which they actually kind of echo back to that scene in Freddy vs. Jason. Yes. If you remember. They do. And, and I, so I love all of that. I think Dream Warriors with the one-liners and the overly gruesome kills is kind of encapsulate what's the entire series became. But what's, I still think the first one is the best. Well, what's it's so crazy because the first the first one is listed as just straight horror. Right. This and this and the subsequent subsequent sequels are actually listed as American fantasy slashers. Oh, weird. So it's like, a, and honestly, that's right. It is kind yeah. of a fantasy horror, fantasy Kinda. slasher movie. Uh, but this one had a killer cast, pun totally intended. Patricia Arquette, yeah. Lawrence Fishburne. I mean, Heather Langenkamp again. She's just of, holding yeah, down course. the franchise. I mean, um, she's so in th- all of the best ones. Let's just put it that way. I will agree with that statement. Next up. Uh, in 88, we get The Serpent and the Rainbow, starring love Bill Pullman. this movie. I love this, this movie. This movie is one of those movies that also s- super fucked with me. Yeah. Talk about some, like, the whole concept of, uh, like, the paralysis mm-hmm. shit freaked with my psyche. Well, it's kind of like... um. I don't want to say Cannibal Holocaust, but like Green Inferno that um, that Eli Roth did and Cannibal Holocaust, like like white people go to the jungle and find terrible things. That's kind of there's it, a pro, it's a proto version of that, but I think it's so much better at creating that dread and creating that sense of everything here is super freaky. One hundred percent. And and we cannot pass up the fact that the serpent in the rainbow not stars, but ha- has on the cast list Michael Goff, a.k.a. Alfred from the original Batman. Run. That is true. Is he in the cast list? I don't see him listed here. Serpent in the Rainbow? He's yeah. definitely Oh, yeah, in that you're movie. right. He's he's Schoonbacher. I, I don't know his character name. I just know for sure he's definitely you're in right. that movie. You're right. I can't watch it. that movie. I can't see Michael Goff, and I'll be like, oh, Alfred. You're totally right. I forgot about that. It's been a, quite a while since I've seen this movie. This movie this is, is super fucked and weird. Super fucked. And if people don't know what it's about, it's basically an anthropologist is Goes sent by the, a college to, to Haiti. Haiti. Yeah, yeah, to Haiti to investigate rumors that people are coming back from the dead. But what he gets involved with is basically a voodoo torture captain who then shows him what paralysis medication does and starts burying people alive. It's so fucked, man. So fucked. Uh, but but super good movie. So if you haven't seen it, go see uh, 
Serpent in the Rainbow. Yeah, love it. Uh, next love up, all right, so now we're getting into a series of, of years here where he produced maybe some of my personal favorite because I like – you know me. I'm not a big gore hound. Sure. But right. I, I do like my horror with a he- heaping of camp. Yeah. I really yeah. like some, like, silliness. Uh, and his next movie, 89's Shocker, okay. is – Probably one of my favorites. Is it really? See, I, yeah. Shocker was one of those where I could dr- almost draw you the movie poster for like the guy sitting in the seat. Electric with the, chair. But I've never seen it, I don't think. Really? I think that's one that has skated by me. Is like I'd see it at Blockbuster or at Hollywood Video and be like, oh, I'll get that next time. And I don't think I've ever actually sat down and watched it. But if you're telling me it's one of your favorites, I kind of need to, I guess. It's just because it is so stupid is it kind of like lawnmower man where the guy's like living in electricity and killing people kind of um it's 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 like (laughs) lawnmower man that's actually a pretty good pull yeah it's kind of like lawnmower man and uh nightmare on elm street like it's a lot of like traveling through things that you shouldn't like electricity and like possessing people and uh it's pretty crazy but the best part is it stars Mitch Pileggi, who is most known from the X-Files as Agent Skinner oh, on the X-Files. Nice. But he is the the bad guy. Is he's the titular shocker? In Shocker, yeah. Um, which is just crazy. Uh, here, he is Horace Pinker. Here's a here's a funny thing, uh, a little a story from me, I guess. I always for no reason let me be clear. No reason for this. But I always in my mind get the shocker mixed with mixed up with the movie uh the Vincent Price movie The Tingler from the 50s. I don't know why. But do you know what The Tingler's about? Uh-uh. So what The Tingler is is it, Vincent Price is a doctor who believes that that that's tingling on your spine that you get is an actual monster. And there's a scene in this movie where as someone is dying of that happening, he cuts open their back and a monster pops out and Vincent Price fights it. Cool. That sounds awesome. And it's called The Tingler. But for whatever reason, whenever I see Shocker, I think Tingler. And I'm like, is that that movie with that back monster? (laughs) With the back monster? (laughs) It's not. It's also not The Shocker, which is like that Dane Cook terrible, terribly offensive sex movie. That's true. Now, I will say this. Um, one of my absolute, not, not even one of my favorite Wes Craven movie is next. Oh, oh, uh, wait, can I guess what it is? Yes. If it's okay. If it's around this time, it's early nineties. Knowing you, is it people? Is your, is your West favorite Wes Craven movie? People my under the stairs. My favorite Wes Craven movie is people under the stairs. Why? And not, not, I don't have any. I don't not not disagreeing. It's a great movie, it but is I need to hear I from you. I don't know. It is such. <laughs> it is such a weird, funny movie to me. Um, it, it has this perfect mix of like heightened reality with the two main mm-hmm. characters who like own this house, um, and then you've got the kid from uh is he from the mighty ducks uh the uh, the main kid on. uh poindexter or fool who's the, like the main character 
He's from the Sandlot. Uh, that's what I was trying to think of. I knew it was like one of yeah. the one of my favorite like kids. Sports he is things. from the Mighty Ducks. Though, okay, Jesse Hall. Yeah. Okay, I thought so. Man, this kid is in everything. Yeah. And I remember he was also in the TV series Moesha. What? This is crazy. Sorry. This is crazy. Uh, Man, I didn't even recognize that kid. I should have though. I I really do. I mean, the people under the stairs is really good. Have you heard of that new movie that's coming out uh, called Villains? Yes. I kind of feel like that's a little bit I, ripped from people under the I stairs. I one hundred percent got a vibe from. I think I watched a trailer for that. It's got Bill Scar- Sarsgaard and yep. the dude from Burn Notice. Yep, and it's basically the idea is people break into this house attempting to rob what they think is just a clean cut white couple turns out and it turns out they're sadistic crazy kidnap murderers kind of like people under the stairs kind of like people under the stairs like again it, it, well the thing i love about people under the stairs is that it's one of those movies where simple concept great execution for like sure hey we're just gonna kind of break into this house see what's in there and then oh no we're trapped here Oh no, it's getting weird. Oh no, they're crazy SM wearing yeah. like people. Oh no, they have stairs that like turn into a slide. Yeah. Oh no, they have a dude living in their walls <laughs> named Roach <laughs> who has no tongue. Like I forgot about there's no tongue. This movie is so fucking great. It is. It's great. It's got it's Ving Rames in it. It's sure. Anything with Ving Rhames gets a notch up. It's so me. good. Like, this movie is so fucking weird. If anybody hasn't seen it, it's about it's basically about a, a kid who works for these guys helping to rob houses, and they break into this house, and this kid gets stuck in there, and basically spends the entire movie evading this insane white couple, and then befriending the like grotesque kid that lives in their walls yeah it's fucking bananas but i love it it's it's, it's it is really, it is really by good. far my favorite west craven movie other oh that's fun other than scream showing well, I mean, yeah, show my hands We're a little there. bit i love scream um oh it's great but next up we've got west craven's new nightmare i'm gonna be honest right. i wasn't a huge fan of new my new nightmare that was the one this, where it was like the it's a me- super meta movie yes this is where I may differ from you. Okay. I actually really like it. Did you? <laughs> but it's because of its meta-ness. I, I'm, for whatever reason, I'm a big fan of when meta is done relatively well. And that was one of the first ones I remember in the horror genre. Now, Scream will sort of become the pinnacle of, like, high watermark of what meta in horror can be. Sure. But when I saw Wes Craven's New Nightmare for the first time... The fact that Heather Langenkamp was playing Heather Langenkamp and trying to be recruited for another nightmare, and it's about her son, and like it kind of went back to it stepped away from the silliness that the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise had become, and actually made Freddy scary again. Well, and that, I liked that. From what I understand, that was lot. kind of his thing. He was trying to course correct. Yeah, the character, and of I kind of dug it. Like I know, and and let me let me state my case a little bit more. I know it's not an awesome movie, but for whatever reason, it was super appealing to me. And I personally very much enjoy it. Sure. And that's fair. It's just not one of my favorites. Yeah. Um, it's not a people under the stairs. It is definitely not a people under stairs. So next up we get a little foray into comedy 
from the Wes Craven Meister, we get Vampire in Brooklyn starring Eddie Murphy and Angela Bassett. Again, I- I've seen this movie. I don't remember a whole lot about it. What I can say is I feel like up and down Wes Craven should not have been the guy to direct that. Nah, man. Do you remember uh, You remember the Chappelle show? You remember Charlie Murphy? Oh, yeah. He co-wrote this movie, man. <laughs> he co-wrote it? Yep. Interesting. 100%. Uh, this was apparently uh, the final film produced under Eddie Murphy's contract with Paramount Pictures that began with 48 Hours and included the Beverly Hills Cop franchise. Oh, interesting. Oh, Eddie Murphy also wrote it. I'm like, I'm looking at that now. Yeah. Uh, I don't. Uh, I see story by Eddie Murphy, but screenplay is actually by Charlie Murphy. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm just saying he's credited as a Isn't writer. Isn't that crazy, though? Story. That is crazy. Um, and this is like a really crazy one. This is, uh, um, I don't even forget Eddie Murphy's name. Uh, Maximilian, Maximilian I think. is a vampire that comes to Brooklyn, New York. It's, it's so weird, man. I don't it, even know how to like. It feels almost like a parody movie, it but it's not. It kind of reminds me of, of like seventies, like Blackula. Yeah, that's absolutely what I was going to say. It kind of reminds me of Blackula or um, like Pluto Nash. Right. Uh, some of those that are like exploitative. And it's weird because like Wes Craven is good at the exploitative stuff. Like we learned that with Hills Have Eyes and Last House on the Left. Uh-huh. But I feel like black exploitation is not really his game. <laughs> no, probably not. You probably, probably don't get the like super whitey white bread guy to host no. to, or to direct a black exploitation film. I, I love the fact, though, that there's probably a moment in history on that set where Wes was like, um, Eddie, Eddie, listen, I need you to be a little bit more urban for this scene. <laughs> Could, get, like, let me let me demonstrate. Here, move. I'll, and I'll then Eddie you. Murphy was like, I'm making waffles. <laughs> <laughs> and then all of a sudden the back's like, Charlie Murphy. <laughs> Charlie Murphy. Like from like way back <laughs> near the catering table. Um, Fuck your couch, Charlie Murphy. <laughs> um. Then we get 96's Scream, my maybe second favorite. I This, to me, I think is, is just pinnacle Wes Craven. Talk about, like it, talk about meta. It's meta. It's a, it had meta in it, that, and it used it so well. Like that's it, I, I got introduced to Wes Craven's meta in A New Nightmare, but I fell in love with it in Scream because it was used so well. Now, the thing about Scream is at the time that it came out in 96 there was it kind of redefined like modern horror movies for sure and then became annoyingly prescriptive after that because then you get like urban legend and you get uh like uh valentine's day and all of these ones right after it that was like i know what you did last summer yes yeah yep is like how quippy and quirky can all these main characters? Like how close to Matthew Lillard can all of these characters be for sure. at all times? For sure. And that became super annoying. But bef- but Scream was not S- annoying. S- Scream was like a contemplation on the slasher genre as a yeah. whole. Like it kind of broke down its tropes. It discussed them openly. You had a really cool cast. You had Nev Campbell, Skeet Ulrich. Um, like you said, Matthew Lillard, Jamie Kennedy, Rose McGowan. Don't forget, um, uh, don't forget the uh, blink and you'll miss it cameo of uh, of eventual Sabretooth. 
Um, oh fuck, uh, Schrader, leave Schrader. Oh, oh, that's right. It's Cotton Weary. He's caught. He, he's in the first movie, but he's just like a pass through character, that's right. and then he's a part of the second. In one, one of these movies, isn't Wes Craven there dressed up as Freddy the Freddy Krueger as the janitor? Is it the first one? It's the it's the first one. It's the okay. first one. He's the yeah, because you've got Henry Winkler he, as the principal of the yep. school. And Crazy. then Wes Craven is the janitor wearing the, the Freddy yellow hat and, and I mean the sweater. red and green sweater. And I yeah. think he's wearing the hat. I think he's wearing the fedora. Yeah, he is. So ridiculous. He is. Very uh, ridiculous. But a great but movie. But still a great movie. If you haven't seen Scream, I actually watched Scream the other night. Go watch Scream. It's so good. I scream, it's, you um, scream, we all scream for Wes Craven scream. <laughs> I like that. Thanks. Um that that's actually possibly I have to rack my brain on it, but maybe the only thing I like Jamie Kennedy in. Uh, yeah, I'd probably. Well, I liked him also in Scream Two, which comes the well, very okay. next year. Out outside of the Scream series, let Got me put it. it that way. No, I haven't. The only thing I like. I haven't Kennedy seen Tremors Six, which he's starring in, so I don't. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, it's probably not great. Um, but uh, Scream Scream Two, man. That's another one. Now, people get real divided here, and I'm going to be honest. I fucking love Scream 2. Lots of really? people don't like Scream 2. I love it. Scream 1 and 2 are my jammy jam. I I liked Scream 2. You get Timothy Oliphant much. in this movie. You got Joshua Jackson in there. Yeah, you, um, you got some. You got uh, a lot of good. Yeah, who else is in there? You've got... Uh, you got uh, oh well, I mean, obviously the original cast. You know, we got the Jamie Kennedys. You got your Nev Campbells, but you got your Omar Epps that's, in there at the beginning. That's right, with some Jada Pinkett Smith in there. Oh, that's right. Is Joshua Jackson is in this movie? I don't remember him being in that movie. He's not. He isn't. I don't think I so. He was. I thought he was in like the, one of those classes. I'm pretty sure that he's oh, in he the class he's with, like one of the kids in the yeah. Class. He's in the class, but he's with not Jamie like Kennedy. a character. No, no, no. Like his character's name is like Film Class Guy Two. Got it. Got it. Got or it. Got something. It. You get much more Leif Schreiber in this movie. A lot more Leif Schreiber. You get some Jerry O'Connell in this. That you get. Uh, you Laurie Metcalf. Oh my God, Laurie Metcalf as the eventual bad guy. Yep. So great. With with Timothy Oliphant. <laughs> yes, with Timothy. Yeah, Sarah Michelle Geller. Um, Rebecca Gayhart is in there. Portia de Rossi. I know. I'm looking at the, like, it right early, now. This is early, crazy. Early Portia de Rossi. Which is great. I remember her like being like the the snippy sorority girl in there. Um, Luke Wilson and Heather herself. Graham as well, characters from the uh, from Stab, Stab the the, ma <laughs> the movie about Scream. Yes. Which again, he kind of doubled. That was the thing I think in Scream Two that I didn't connect with me as much as he oh, sort no, of doubled that. and tripled down on the meta. And I was like, it's a bit much, but I sort of love it at the same time. Yeah. So then he follows it up with his magnum opus, Music of the Heart. <laughs> right, which, you know, Oscars up and down. Like right. that was that was his that was his uh So moving right along to uh Scream Three, which is eh. my least favorite scream. Easily easily my least favorite scream, because I actually thought Scream Four was pretty That's what good. I was gonna say. Scream four, pretty good, but we're jumping pretty, ahead. Pretty not bad. Scream three, like not great. No. I do I don't what's the plot of Scream okay, Three? Okay, so here it is. You ready for this? I don't even remember. Okay. Turns out Sydney's mom was a right. actress in Hollywood for like a short period of time. Slept with a director played by Lance Henriksen. 
Okay. Yeah. Had a son. Uh, oh, she, now I remember this. And he's the He's killer. the killer because she basically gave him up and moved back to Woodsboro and married That's her right. husband and lived a normal life with Sydney. That's right. And he, his motivation is he was jealous of the life that Sydney got to have. And so now he wants to kill everyone. Sure. But also here, this breaks one of the cardinal sins of like mystery whodunit murder movies. You cannot introduce a character in a movie and have a reveal of something that has never been talked about ever before. <laughs> so, like, yeah. at least in the se- in the second movie, when you have the mo- Billy Loomis's mom, you at least had the throwaway line in the first movie where Billy Loomis was like, your mom fucked my dad, which is why my parents got a fucking divorce. Right. So, like, the, that's a, like it's that's already a setting up that his mom exists and she is disgun- disgruntled. You know what I mean? Right. Boom. But like this movie pulls out of nowhere that her mom had another baby. They set it up and it's revealed and he's murderous for. Yeah. Yeah. I just it was one of those movies that like I watched it and immediately it fell out of my brain. But you do get Parker Posey in this movie doing her best Nev Campbell as Gail Weathers impression, which is pretty funny. You're doing doing her best. Um. So that one, yeah, not good. So then we move on to a couple movies in a row that were not good. Cursed was real bad. I saw that That's in the, the theater. Thing. Not good. Here's the thing with with Cursed is I wanted a lot. I wanted to like it a lot because it was written by Kevin Williamson, the guy who wrote Scream, directed by Wes Craven. The cast, a lot of returning faces, Portia de Rossi back in this But you one. got Jesse um, Eisenberg? Yeah, weird. M- Milo Ventimiglia got- before he died in a fire with a toaster or something. Christina on this Ricci? She's the main character. Joshua Jackson's back in this one again. But you even get early Nick Offerman in this movie yeah. as like a no-name police officer. But it sucked. <laughs> but it's not good. Like, But you would think, you know, creatures, hills have eyes, scary, meta, modern-day, quippy teenage characters, werewolves, Los Angeles— Wes Craven. Like, it makes sense. Sexy werewolves. That it it could be good, but oh man, is it bad. It's real bad. So we'll skip right over that. We'll go to Red Eye. Now, I'm going to admit, I never saw Red Eye. I don't know what this movie is about. I I can tell you. It's not terrible, but basically, what it is, is, um, who's in it? It's, um, it's the girl from, uh, The Notebook. Um, uh, uh, Rachel McAdams, Rachel McAdams, uh, Rachel McAdams and Cillian Murphy. They're kind of the main two in the movie. Okay. And Rachel McAdams is on a plane and Cillian Murphy comes down and sits down beside her. And he basically says, Hey, I know who you are and I, you have access to a politician on this plane that I need access to. I've kidnapped your dad and I'm going to kill him. If you don't help me kidnap and kill this politician that's on this plane right now. And so it's sort of like, do you remember the, the movie nonstop with Liam Neeson? Yes. It's kind of like that, but a, like more scary as yeah. opposed to Liam Neeson actiony. It's not terrible. Like it's got Brian Cox in it. Who's, who's actually really good. Um, Jama Mays, who you is the, 
If you remember the redhead from the first yeah. couple seasons of Glee, the other teacher, yeah. it's er- early her. She's in it. But it's honestly kind of like a dual movie. It's mainly Rachel McAdams and Cillian Murphy sort of talking meanly and quietly to, at each other and her trying to figure out like how to get out of this with what's on the plane around her. It's not terrible. It's not awesome. You know, I'd give it like a six or a seven out of ten. Like it's probably probably worth it's worth a watch. It's not bad. Hmm. All right. So well after that after that rousing recommendation, that. Uh, <laughs> we get uh, another a series of well I guess not a series but an, a movie that he did not direct but he did write, which is Pulse. Oh wait. Which what was which one was that? I don't Pulse remember that one. Pulse wa- had uh, Kristen Bell and Ian Somerhalter and Christina Milian. Um, okay. Looks like. Uh, da, 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 da. Oh, this is like when, like ghosts can travel through, the oh. like like internet. Yep, I do remember this. I don't think I saw. I think I saw the trailer and was like, nope. And just passed right by. Yeah, it's like internet, cell phones, and televisions is how the ghosts get in. Uh, mm, no. Yeah, we'll, no, thank we'll you. go ahead pass. and pass that one. Uh, then we get the Paris Jetem. Um, yeah, which is his segment. Whatever. That movie's fine. Sure. Then, did you know that he wrote The Hills Have the Eyes 2, the sequel to the remake? I think I did know that. I never saw it, though. I also never saw it. Um, then we've got my soul to take never before we recorded this episode and I was looking at his filmography. It says he directed this. He wrote and directed it. I don't remember this at all. What is this? 8% on rotten tomatoes. Yeah, it's not, uh, it, it was, I mean, this is less than 10 years ago. This was made in 2010 and I don't remember anything about it but i do want to read you the summary yeah please because do it might be one of the dumbest things i've please ever do. Heard. i kind of want to watch it go ahead a serial killer returns to his hometown to stalk seven children who share the same birthday as the date he was allegedly put to rest nope exactly <laughs> yeah your face on this one is about right it's like nope. a serial killer who died maybe is coming back to town to kill people who were born on the day that he died. Maybe. Nah, that's stupid. <laughs> yeah. Pretty stupid. Real dumb. All right. Well, skip that into his final movie, sadly. But which is also pretty good, actually. I, that's the thing. I, I was very much, when it first came out, like against Scream 4. Is like it's been over ten years since Scream Three came out. Scream Three was not awesome, but then I watched Scream Four, and the whole time I'm like pushing back against it. It's like, well, well, what are we doing? Like the meta film set again. We've got stabbing here again. Like, what are we doing? And then like as the movie kept going, I'm like, all right, all right, and then. And then, like, the twists kind of happened at the end. I'm like, this actually still kind of makes sense. Okay. And, again, I don't know how he does it with these Scream and Cursed and movies, but the cast in these movies are incredible. Yeah, I mean, this has got Allison Brie, Adam Brody, Emma Roberts. Hayden Panettiere. Anthony Anderson. 
who, by the way, maybe gives one of the coolest deaths on screen. I don't know if you remember yeah. that scene. Uh, wait, remind me. He gets me. stabbed in the head, Anthony Anderson. That's right, and then he like wanders around. Yeah, it's pretty <laughs> yeah. fucking nuts. But we got Kristen Bell in here. Oh, she's in this. Yeah. Oh, that's right. So is Anna Paquin and Lucy Hale. That's right. I forgot about like that. Like this, like it's a stacked cast. It is, uh, and it's good. And like it's... again, as the screen movies go, I still think the first one is. The oh, you got Rory Culkin them. in this. You got to have a Culkin in some of these. Uh, it's either Kieran or Rory. Like those are the two that are really doing the acting thing now. They're crushing as Culkins go. They're crushing. That's the thing. Kieran does not get the the respect that he deserves because being the youngest Culkin. He does not get the respect he deserves. Uh, Iggy goes down is amazing. Igby? Igby goes down. Igby goes down. Sorry. Agreed. Uh, I merged Iggy gets the fuck across town and Igby goes Got down. Got it. But Igby goes down is amazing. Got it. Kieran Culkin, everybody, let's let's show him some respect. He's on HBO's Succession, killing it. Let's give Kieran some Go love. see Scream 4. <laughs> That's all I got to say. Uh, so, hey, man, we've reached the end of his filmography, which I think signifies that it's time for a list a spooky list. i'm craving a list this is where we make a list the list three two all right so here we are man this is uh all right this is the time to talk about our nightmares and our screams and how shocked we are at Having right. the ill hills have eyes. I was trying to like mash titles up and it didn't work. The swamp things under the stairs give me new nightmares of serpents and rainbows on Elm Street while I scream myself to sleep <laughs> at the last house on the left. I'm cursed with these red eyes. <laughs> oh, that's just the music of my heart, man. That's just because I'm a vampire in Brooklyn. <laughs> <laughs> also, you're a deadly friend. Hills have eyes too. <laughs> <laughs> also, also by the way also also hills have eyes too yeah, all right uh, but i so mean it like hills ha have eyes also like as well, as well. like <laughs> yeah they have hills has eyes the the hey guys the hills have eyes too okay right. not just right. you don't just walk around naked in your house because <laughs> no one's living no you're in the desert the hills have eyes too man <laughs> listen um, so you Let's, ready? You think you can, uh, you think you can whittle this down to a uh, top five? I definitely think I can, but here's what I'd like to propose. Okay. I, I would like to only include one scream on the list. Okay. Yeah. Easy. I, I think we have to condense it. That's cool. I, I would like it to be the first yep. one, even though like there are some of these that I think maybe scream two or scream four would be better than, but scream like, we can only have one Scream on the list. You don't even have to make an argument for it. 100% Scream 1 on the list. Yeah, I would somewhere on the list. I would like to make an argument for People Under the Stairs to be on the list. I I would. I think that's, I mean, honestly, I'm going to want to put Serpent in the Rainbow and Nightmare on Elm Street on yep. there as well. So where are we Nightmare at? on Elm Street, I think, is a given. So that's four um, already, right? I am fine with People Under the Stairs being on, on the list. So that's four? Do you agree with Serpent in the Rainbow? Oh, and, uh, most definitely. Okay. Uh, so that's four, yeah? Yeah. So yeah. really, already, we just need one. This is a very easy list. Uh, we need one more. I mean, more. it really is because, like, while, again, kind of the same thing we talked about with John Carpenter last week. While they, he has a lot of movies under his belt and while a lot of them are in a genre and recognizable, 
not all of them are the best. For so sure. It's, it's kind of easy to see which ones the creams of the crop are that rise to the top. Um, I mean, I, I would like, I, I would love it if, uh, uh, last house on the left was on there. Just, it's his first one. It's really good. It sort of helped establish him as an exploitative horror director. It's been remade. Uh, I just I think there's power in that movie. Now, where on the list? I'm not. I, I don't have a preference, but I think it should be on there somewhere. All right, let's do it. So that's our five. So then let's order them. Let's see. I'm gonna put so, number one. Honestly, I think has to be Nightmare on Elm Street. See, this is where I'm torn because yes, yes, but Scream though. I think Scream has to be number two. I, yeah. Because Nightmare on like, Elm Street, Nightmare on Elm Street is longer lasting. It's still far reaching. They're still making Freddy Krueger movies. That's what I'm it's got you know twelve of these movies, and it's sort of what what's interesting about Wes Craven and and what can't be understated about his influence is that he sort of helped redefine and start the '80s slasher genre, and get that like some momentum to it. And then in the at the end of the '90s, he redefined horror in film again with Scream. So I agree. We'll do it chronologically. Like Nightmare on Elm Street was the first time he redefined the genre, and then number two is Scream, and it's the second time he redefined the genre. And then honestly, after that, I would probably say Serpent in the Rainbow. That's exactly what I was gonna say. And then I would probably say People Under the Stairs, and then Last House on the Left. Yep, that's that was uh, that was what I was thinking as well. So here, let me read this back to you and make sure it feels good. Okay. But number five, Last House on the Left. Um, number four, People Under the Stairs. Mm-hmm. Number three, Serpent in the Rainbow. Mm-hmm. Number two, Scream. And number one, Nightmare on Elm Street. I'll tell you what, man. That uh, Wes Craven yeah. list is no shocker. That's it. <laughs> the Wes Craven list is no shocker. That is the way to 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 end a top five list about Wes Craven. So we did it. Jay. Jay. Oh, my God. He finally succumbed to his stab wound. Jay. Jay, wake up. Tell me you're going to be okay. We have reached the end of another High Five, the podcast episode. It's time to lock up the writer's room and rest comfortably, knowing we knocked out another great list of things you should be watching. If the guys didn't mention your favorites this week in their lists, you can harass them by emailing them at myfive at highfivethepodcast.com. That's M-Y-F-I-V-E at H-I-G-H-F-I-V-E-T-H-E-P-O-D-C-A-S-T. Got that? Or connecting with them on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash high five the podcast, on Twitter at high the number five the podcast, Instagram at high five the podcast, or on Letterboxd by searching high five colon the podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever else you listen to podcasts and drop the show a five-star rating to show us some love. What's the worst that could happen? (laughs) Moving the headstones but not moving the bodies? (laughs) Maybe.
See you next week. And that's a wrap, everybody. Cut, Casper. That's a wrap. Cut, printed. What happened to the next reel? Cut. Okay, that's a print. Okay, cut. That's a wrap. That's a wrap, people. Now let's get the hell out of here.